0: not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: This is Dr. Dan. You know, in 2009, my wife and I and a daughter went down to Atlanta, Georgia, on April 15th in 2009, for a tax day rally. We expected, oh, I don't know, 100 people there, maybe. Um, we were amazed to find 20,000 people clustered around the Capitol in Atlanta, Georgia. And that, to me, was the beginning of the true awakening of the grassroots in this country. Certainly was my uh, awakening as a active, ultra-active participant in the political process, uh, and it kind of it kind of crystallized to me that this was the beginning of a movement, a movement in this country. Now that movement became, as you know, because of people like Glenn Beck and things like that. It became the nine twelve movement, the Tea Party movement, whatever you want to call it. It is probably best considered to be under the umbrella of the grassroots movement it was an uprising of the grassroots in this country uh which is something of course that our founding fathers envisioned would happen when things got when the wheels started to come off they envisioned that the grassroots would stand up and say wait a minute this is not what we envision as being constitutional right moral and and correct for the united states of america and so That movement arose, we had uh, enormous effects on elections in 2010 and 2012 uh, and uh, in 2014. So there's been an effect, but old habits die hard. And that really is the theme of this interview that we're going to have today. My guest is far younger than I am. He's 33 years old, and that's why his appearance on this program is so appealing to me. His name is Mike Lyons. Uh, He's from Franklin, North Carolina, graduated from Franklin High School about, I'd say, about 15 years ago. So he's in an age group that I think is really absolutely critical. Uh, It's just critical that we talk to people in his age group because they're really the future of this country. Now, he is politically active in two ways. Number one, he is an at-large member of the 11th District North Carolina GOP Executive Committee. So he has an official position in the GOP establishment in the western North Carolina. He also is a member of the Republican Liberty Caucus which I'm a member of as well, and this is a group of people who are more libertarian-oriented in many ways, uh, constitutionally-based, liberty-based, and so those are two very important viewpoints and foundations, the discussion that we are going to have with Mike Lyons. So, without further ado, I'm going to welcome Mike Lyons to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Howdy, Doctor Dan. <laughs> Thanks for being on, Mike. Uh, I think I think you have a viewpoint, and I think you have a lot of things to say that are going to be incredible, incredibly important. So here's here's the deal. Let's start out our discussion, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a discussion. So let's start off our, our discussion with a simple premise: the GOP establishment, the GOP party, has failed the average voter. Over the last several years, what do you think of that statement?
2: Well, I think in general the uh, the sure answer is yes. Uh, I do. I think though that what we're facing is a problem that has is systemic to many old years of failure. Um, The grassroots efforts you were talking about a moment ago. And starting in thousand, you know, I say 2008, because I like to look back at the first run of von Paul myself. But indeed, the the Tea Party became alive in oh nine and really won the day in twenty ten. Um, and I see that also as having created a gender uh, a generation of um, party activists, and they are trying to work their way in. and They need more people that are willing to stand up. But um, that, is, that is still a battle inside the party. that's ongoing. Um, we still have a very strong old-school establishment uh, gentleman in Vince Priebus. And I say gentleman very um, probably inappropriately. But he is, you know, he, he still holds those old rules to heart. He still holds the old money to heart. And uh, he, wouldn't, he won't really let them go. Uh, to the people, and uh, he won't let himself sit down um, for a more popular vote. He would fight that off with um, um, mechanics available to him and rules changes available to him. And uh, so I don't mean to ramble, Doctor, but it is, Dr. Dan, but it is wonderful to be on your show to kind of tell what I see in the rise of Trump in these polls today. Uh, and just, like you said, share a young person's perspective on all of this.
1: So let's let's start off with our with our original point, and you bring up some very good good issues. the 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 people who are running the GOP are wedded to the old school, the smoke filled rooms, uh, brokered conventions. Which, of course, we haven't had one since I guess nineteen forty eight was was the last actual one. But nevertheless, the party hierarchy. And Reince Priebus and the elders of the party, party establishment, they are not above using any trick in the book to maintain establishment power. Is that how you see it?
2: Yes, sir. Um, There, um, I was, what was it you said just a second ago? The, um, there is an old brand, and these guys are definitely clinging to it. Uh, you know, in 2012, for those of you that were watching the, the the convention, it was disgusting. You know what they did just to keep a, a clean convention, according to the you know their people and uh, a uh, a winning convention. That was the language they used. They were you know interested in shutting down the entire delegation of people, or like two or three states mm-hmm. worth of people, just because they wanted to have Ron Paul speak. About what he wanted, uh, in, the, out of this small government party that we were supposed to be. And they wouldn't have it. They wouldn't hear him. And, um, you know, it, that disenfranchised through that action. They disenfranchised people that would eventually have challenged them. And they won in so many ways because people got upset and they walked away. So, yeah, I look, I look at the, and I look at Rens Priebus, and I look at many people who are on the rules committees and so forth, and say, you know, they are doing their best to keep activists at bay.
1: You know, uh, you mentioned Ron Paul, and I think I think that's a good subject to discuss initially because I also look at Ron Paul as probably the very first in our recent times, the very first candidate or public figure in the Republican Party who kind of broke out of that mold. I mean, he brought to he brought the attention to some really important issues, namely the 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 disastrous effects of three things that happened in nineteen thirteen: the Sixteenth Amendment, Seventeenth Amendment, and the Federal Reserve uh-huh. Bank. That's really kind of the yeah. that was the foundation of his uh, candidacy, of his prominence. Uh, mm-hmm. Audit the Federal Reserve. Uh, look at the Federal Reserve, and and the basing everything on the Constitution and how we've departed from it. Is that how you see Ron Paul? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes, and yes. Um, Very good, Dr. Dan. Um, But he did more than that as well. I mean, he he saw um, a government, you know, through the Patriot Act that was spiraling, you know, out of control because of the fear that 9-11 had, um, you know, presented us with. And I think a lot of war hawks out there, they took 9-11 and ran with it. They said, you know, we can make money off this. We can make lots of money off this. And Ron was one of the first people to stand up, you know, in the house and say, whoa, you know, whoa, boy, you know. And he, you know, he was known as Dr. No for a reason because so many things that they wanted to do um, to, because, you know, as it is, businesses in Washington, D.C., it's all compromised. We wanted more war, supposedly in the republican party and so to get that money we gave the liberals all the welfare systems they could want you know uh... and that was that, that is just you know that there's that two-headed dragon that just grows bigger with each day as long as you're willing to let um, big you know as long as you're not willing to ask the question what is the small government answer to my, my problem and until we do that you know in america until we can ask what is the small government answer we uh we have to keep fighting for that day i think
1: well you're right i mean obviously small government is really the basis that really this is all intertwined when you talk about the federal the the constitutional republic uh that we were given by our founders it was a tiny minuscule barely visible federal government uh-huh. I mean, it was, and and if you read, if you start reading the the writings of the Federalist Papers, anti-Federalist Papers, and you get a flavor for what was going on, that's when you truly understand what they had in mind, not just their intent, but the actual words that they put on paper, and that's really what Ron Paul comes back to show us.
2: Yeah, and Dr. Dan, I just want to take this moment to shout out to those authors of old uh you know, if you do have young listeners out there. You know, speaking as a young man myself, those papers will light your heart on fire. When you read the Anti Federalist and the Federalist papers, you'll understand the spirit of the men who wrote them. And you'll say, like, this is a country that I that I you know would be willing to die for. Uh it really will you know, remind you of what it means to be an American. So if there are young listeners out there listening to your show Don't hear the words Federalist Papers, Anti-Federalist Papers, and not be intrigued. Go out there and read them yourselves, because it is, I think, incredible important for anyone looking to be politically active that you fuel yourselves with knowledge. And uh, those Federalist Papers give you the spirit of the law and the land um, where nothing else can.
1: You know... Here's a here's a difficult thing: is that civics is not being taught in schools now. It's not being taught the way it should be taught. Uh, mm-hmm. How would you remedy that?
2: Well, you know, when I was growing up, we did have social studies classes, and they were pretty good. You know, I have a shout out to Miss Hall back in middle school. I love that lady. She she gave us a lot of um, a lot of good knowledge, um, but uh, I think that uh that's a big one, Dr. Dan. That's a good question. How do you remedy it? I think um one of the things I uh, will let you know, um I can, I can I try this can I uh do a nod to a candidate running for state office?
1: If you want, go ahead.
2: Oh well I think there's a lady named Rosemary um oh I just had her name on the tip of my tongue. But um she is a pediatric specialist, and she is running for uh, State um, Department of um, Instruction, basically as the new, next superintendent of the country. Rosemary Stein, I think is her name. And I have met her on a couple of occasions. She is an amazing woman. And she will she has more than a little bit to say about Common Core. So if your listeners are warning someone to Google and, you know, look up tonight, look up Rosemary Stein. I think she will make you very happy. Um, but how do we bring civics back? How do we bring um, uh, a lot of that back? That's I think the the state departments of the correction are a big part of it. But at the same time, um, reaching out—I don't know—maybe the principals. What do you think? How do we? Who's our audience? Well, or you know, a, a path to change. In your opinion?
1: Well, I think the audience is the students in. High school and middle school who need to be instructed who need to have a be, have a new understanding of how our country came into being what the what are the what was the philosophy of our founding fathers that gave us the freedoms that we have now, and you know that 's not being taught in schools now what 's being taught is some uh, i don 't know even what what to call it some version of our history that is really not. Not true history, you know. Well, we're we're doing we're doing the same thing that uh, the Soviet Union did is we're rewriting the history in order to conform with the political agenda.
2: Well, and, I, you know, there's a word for it. Here's a here's a shot at it. Just institutionalism. Okay. Um, everything that we're all the different departments are becoming institutions. All the different branches of you know the occupations that we could take up as young men and women are becoming institutions. Everything's. Fold, fold, folding into that public service here or there. And entrepreneurship is, you know, left to the upper rung of the students. You know, to be picked off by this special group or that special group. And so, uh, it, you know, the kids are being divvied up. And I, I think that uh, it's horrible the way it's being done. But, you know, I, and the thing is, is the teachers are not even if they, they don't understand their own power in doing individual, you know, I know a really good teacher and she sees, I think herself as not equipped to deal with, um, poor students and she has to hand them off. Now I know my grandmother on my dad's side, she's from Kentucky. She, um, Floyd Jarnett. She wrote a book that the governor of Kentucky found and made a part of the curriculum for special needs students. She took special needs students and turned them into like the highest grades in the school. But there are, those are, you know, one in a hundred, not one in ten. And I think that these days a lot of these kids, you know, are being just they're being given to a teacher who's got their his or her hands tied. Well, and who's out. well,
1: who's tying their hands?
2: Well, you know your your policymakers. A lot of the ones that say you have to teach the kids for this test, and you have to prepare them for this test, and you have to give the, this many hours for this subject, this many hours for that subject. You know if if um, you know they have an end of grade test. I have an integrate test to prepare for and you say, Here's your target, go for it, you have a year. You know, that that leaves the teacher a whole lot of freedom. Do it as they want, but instead we want to police the teachers a whole heck of a lot. And I think that um, has created a generation of teachers that um, don't believe in themselves. You know, it's it's a lot like you uh, know, I was talking to a well, I was talking with some um bankers the other day. Some uh, loan some um uh, loan officers, old loan officers. And they told me today the loan officers don't, don't even understand what to look for in a good client. All they see is paperwork. You know, how well is this person going to comply with the, you know, with the paperwork? How are they going to fill up the line? Are they going to, you know, are they, um, going to be erratic? Um, not is this person's investment a good idea, not is this person's heart in what they're, not, they're doing, not is this person doing this for the community and where is the family behind them. And, you know, they don't understand the quality of their own work, the strength of the power of their own work, because the institutions have said, you know, here's the loan, this is what a loan is, this is the right to blah, 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 blah. And the, the banks, are their, their hands are tied as well by the Fed. You know, it's all institutionalized. And I, I'm afraid that we have lost generations of experts to these, um, these policies. And I, I, don't, I don't know the answer mm-hmm. to fix it, but I can see the problem. I just don't want the people who know better, who are those retirees, to die off. I still want us to make changes mm-hmm. and ask their help before
0: they go. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
1: Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man... I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything
0: gonna be all right this morning.